and it was really cool, but we like definitely ran into like the limitations of Zoom like full on right away. I was gonna ask, how did you do live accompaniment? Um, poorly. <laughs> Fantastic. Great. Happy Friday, everybody. I'm Brendan Bradley with the Fifth Wall Forum, committed to bringing together industry insiders from the theater and technology worlds to create opportunities for new kinds of virtual performance. And today I'm having a conversation with Corey Wubowicz, a producer for Scout Expedition Company, Star Kid, and the Ten Cam Brothers. Today's conversation is brought to you by the Fifth Wall Forum Discord channel, a robust community of hundreds of technologists and artists sharing job postings, tutorials, upcoming performances, and and the home of Artifact Friday, where our mentors and collaborators share artifacts from their work, giving Fifth Wall Forum members a first glimpse at the latest in innovation and immersive storytelling. Find out more at our website at fifthwallforum.com. That's 5-T-H-W-A-L-L-F-O-R-U-M.com. And now let's get to the conversation. Welcome, Corey. Hey. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Thriving. Yeah. Thriving. <laughs> Um, you have actually been thriving because all I see now is what people are doing online versus offline, where usually we all commiserate with how hard the thing is. And now I just see how successful the thing is. While we all wallow individually. <laughs> right, right. I mean, starting right into it, where I wanted to have this conversation is that you've been a part of one of the things I've heard most about in Los Angeles in the immersive theater space, which is The Nest. And it's back! Which yeah. is so cool and exciting. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, we're, we're so excited to have reopened it um, after making plans several times and scrapping them to uh -huh. reopen. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great to be back doing in-person experiences and welcoming audiences through. Uh, we are what used to be sort of a liability in terms of our very low throughput and capacity uh -huh. uh, is sort of <laughs> a blessing to be an advantage. Yeah. in that <laughs> it was all a purposeful yeah, all along exactly that logistically uh making it sort of more covid safe mm -hmm. was not that difficult because already people went through the experience either alone or with someone they brought and there was like very minimal check-in sort of before going in. So inherently, there was very little interaction. Right. So um, for companies that are having to scale back operations that aren't used to something like that, what is the scalability to that? How, how have you all found success in taking such an intimate experience and allowing it to really thrive? I mean, not to say that, it, you know, this has been a good thing, but... <laughs> Taking a pause, because we were in the midst, we opened The Nest, uh, which I suppose I should describe what it is. That's probably, um, sorry, I always come at these things because I'm a nerd, and I'm like, yeah. I loved it! And they're like, what was it? No, it's okay, because <laughs> it also sometimes it like takes a second to explain, because mm -hmm. it's The Nest is a lot of things, but also not quite any of those things. Okay. The Nest is an immersive experience here in Los Angeles uh, from Scout Expedition Company. And in the experience, you are going to explore the storage unit of a woman who's passed away mm -hmm. and sort of that energy of going through someone's medicine cabinet, like right. uh, sort of snooping through their things. And it's about what stories, what, what we leave behind in the objects uh, that we collect and possess through our lives. Um, and so as guests explore the space, there are a series of cassette tapes that they discover because the, this woman was a journalist and mm -hmm. kept this sort of audio diary through her life. So you're getting these sort of uh, snippets of 
audio from moments in time of her life as you go through her things and that sort of transforms the objects that you see and you interact with. Um, so guests go through either solo or if they choose to bring a friend, they can go through as a pair. And it's just it's just them in the space. So you go through, in terms of, we like to just say it's a combination of like immersive theater meets escape rooms mm -hmm. meets like narrative podcasts, but it's also like not quite any of those things. Right. Um, cause there's like escape room elements, but there's the puzzles aren't trying to trick you. There's right. no time limit. There's no losing. It is about it. Like exploring the narrative. Mm -hmm. Um, honestly, the closest analog is probably like, uh, point and click games, like point, sure. point and click computer games, yeah. but like in real life. And what is the process been? You say, you know, you were surprised at how you were able to spin it back up again with limited kind of, uh, COVID restriction because of how it's designed were there new design elements that had to come into remounting it now that you're taking in the last year plus of information? Honestly, it's more operational than the actual experience or design of the space itself. Okay. Um, and part of that was, uh, I mean, more cleaning, mm -hmm. which is easy. Right. Um, the, like, again, the, the experience itself, people are solo in it. Um, so there's like very minimal interaction and we also just like increase the time between, uh, in, in between groups to be able to just like air out the space sure. and not go quite as like mm -hmm. quite as down to the wire in terms of resetting f between groups. Um, it's mostly like the pre-show operational stuff that has been like re-examined and streamlined to help also like the changeovers and things like that, uh, that sort of hitting pause on the production. Cause we opened the show in fall of 2019 and we're running it through up until March of 2020 and had been sold out because again, our capacity is right to an hour. Um, <laughs> and hitting pause on that, we sort of re-examined all elements of the show and sort of stopped and like, okay, what's working, what's not. So we reevaluated re like, individual like elements of the the actual experience but a lot of what we did was sort of streamlining the check-in and the onboarding and those sort of things to like have it so that people sign a waiver in advance there's right. no reason for, to waste time in person or having them touch a thing mm -hmm. <laughs> uh and just sort of automating that more and more automation of all those things that we were still spinning up at the beginning that taking a pause helped us sort of reassess all of that and you know glue, glue it all together on the back end with like our ticketing and Airtable and zapier and all the like internet duct tape right right so but by limiting these encounters are you able to observe at all how the audience is returning to the show like because you have the data on both sides mm -hmm. i'd be fascinated this audience that has been kind of like pent up and stuck at home for 18 months are you seeing a difference in how they come to the venue and interact with the experience? Uh, I think just inherently the the nature of the show, mm -hmm. it, it hits harder. Because it deals with grief or loss of some yeah, kind? Yeah, and isolation and also just uh, this idea of like memory and being like cooped up mm -hmm. in, in a small space um, that as people... People have been very excited, especially when we first reopened. For a lot of people, it was their first outing at all. Wow. Because they were like, this is great. Like, 
I can sort of take my post-vaccinated baby uh-huh. steps into the world. I can go out and do a thing. I can be in a space that like is not mine. mine. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And like that, that's always well, been this sort very of deeply with me. Yeah. <laughs> this voyeuristic element of the show, but it just is different when you've truly been in your own space for so long. Yeah. And so, you know, all the objects that surround you and what they mean and like the context of that. And so I think it just, people's uh, senses were heightened mm-hmm. uh, to be more attuned to the the space and the objects and it being just uh, unusual. Now, you are very prolific in this kind of experience of these uh, physical, you know, on-site experiences, but you also have quite a cataloged virtually and online. Um, I have met you for many years through the world of Tin Can Brothers and Star Kid, which are both... I, I would say both you straddle both physical activations as well as a lot of virtual, but your audience is definitely an online audience that appreciates live performance. And you all have pulled off some crazy, amazing hijinks over the years, um, some of which I've been in the stands laughing my butt off and others where I've been honored to come play with you. I'd love to hear a little bit about what you all did with specifically Star Kid and Nightmare Time, because early in the quarter, you and I were talking about virtual theater and kind of Zoom theater and the the mechanics of it all mm-hmm. and the OBS of it all. And you definitely took that torch and ran. Ran real fast. <laughs> and lit everything on fire. It fell real hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, the, the fire's out. We're good now. So early on with Star Kid, we produced, uh, or I produced this series called Nightmare Time. And... A little context. Starkid is a production company? Uh, <laughs> question mark. Uh, we've been around since 2009, or like early days of YouTube, and we uh, started with like just a fan made like a Harry Potter musical parody, mm-hmm. posted online. It, the internet found it. Did what it. the internet it, does. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and we've been doing producing shows since. I think there's like 12 musicals in the, the Starkid canon now. Um, and... I like that you're looking to me like I would know. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Like, know. how many have we done? I don't know. Like Somebody like, listening knows. Somebody like, knows. I know it's 12 and a half because this one didn't really count. No, and no, 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 no. There's no way to possibly know. Um, <laughs> we can never know. Uh, but in 2018, I think, we did a stage show called The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals. Mm-hmm. And it was a sort of horror comedy thing, it, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but like, oh my God, the, the world is becoming a musical around me. Um, and it's set in this town of Hatchetfield and the following year did a new show called Black Friday also set in the town of Hatchetfield so it has started becoming this like MCU equivalent sure. uh, uh, like a theatrical universe the SKU, yeah, the oh, yeah. universe but where some of the characters come back and there's like intertwining things um, and there was of course supposed to be a new musical in 2020 that also sort of uh, was part of that world um but when obviously those plans went out the window i was literally about to sign a contract on a venue for fall of 2020 and i was just like let me think on this um did you go to buy a lottery ticket the next (laughs) week like that's crazy spidey senses i don't know about this let let me hold on okay um so obviously that musical didn't happen and what we ended up doing was this series of like zoom readings basically mm-hmm. called nightmare time that were set in the universe with 
the characters. Uh, new stories, some are like spinoffs. It's, so it's like your version of What If? Yeah, it, it's like What If, but also maybe a little more like Twilight Zone-y too. Okay. Um, and we were like, this is fun, because we had friends and we had all participated in readings of like, especially early quarantine of like, oh, let's just get on oh, Zoom and yeah. like do a fun, we're going to read like Adam's Family uh-huh. or like other sort of like classic plays or movies. And it's like a fun thing to do. That um, was the mark of a professional actor early in the quarantine. How many Zoom readings yeah, have you done? Exactly. So we're like, oh, what if we do that for these sort of Hatchetfield stories? Sure. And then we can also do things that we could never do on stage or quite frankly, would be too expensive to do on film. Right. You go. So it ended up being... The Zoom reading, that was like a hybrid. In some ways, it was like a radio play, Mm -hmm. but you got to see people. Um, But we did that all through Zoom and like live and had like live accompaniment. And it was really cool. But we like definitely ran into like the limitations of Zoom like full on right away. I was going to ask, how did you do live accompaniment? Um, Poorly. (laughs) Fantastic. Great. Um, uh, We tried our damnedest. Uh Uh-huh. Um, to, to make it not suck, but at the end of the day, zoom is going to do what it wants exactly. to do. And like, it's going to go, no, 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 I want to hear the people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear the thing. No matter how many times you go over with every individual person, wait, is professional audio on or off right, right now? Right. They finally fixed that button. Um, it's the little things, it's the really. little things. It only took a year and a half. Um, to be fair, it was never designed to do it this. Never designed to do this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, well, and, and we and we like immediately did that. So like that, these nightmare time readings were not musicals, but had songs written and musical elements. And we, you know, did the Zoom box right. animated uh, like music video sort of thing mm-hmm. um, that would play either like between the different sort of stories as like interludes. But of course, we're like, okay. Zoom video playback is not good. Right. So like, okay, let's play it through OBS, virtual camera, through the thing, and that's going to be at least a little better, mm-hmm. but we have to like make sure to spotlight that window. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, it was, it was crude, but it was like fine. But of course we then had sync issues and it worked. But like the audience was there like, yes, we're here for this to to sort of imagine the world of the show, see the actors, see like like the performers, like, in costume, like performing mm-hmm. and like interacting with each other, um, but like an element of still, you know, make believe right. like they would do in a, in a theater anyway. Right. But also, you're embracing in some ways a the moment, mm-hmm. but also meeting your audience. Because what I just really didn't even realize or recognize early in the quarantine was the idea that your audience was also completely trapped at home. Like realizing the entire world was having that moment, and artists were able to like join somebody at home and be like, hey. Yeah, and I think a big theme of, like, our learnings in the last year and a half is not about, like, replicating the the specifics mm-hmm. of the in-person experience, but finding different, like, what's the digital equivalent of, like, getting that feeling, but not necessarily exactly what it is. Okay. Does that make sense? I think it does. Do you have an example yeah. of it? Yeah, so, like... Um, what happens at a lot of our shows is that people get really excited, especially when it's like a GA ticketed show. So mm-hmm. people line up because they want to get the good seats. They want to be in front. They want to like be close enough to see the like <laughs> the spit particles. Right. Yeah, they want to see the aerosols. <laughs> they want to see close enough to see that. So but 
a side effect of that is that a lot of times also people come with their friends, but a lot of times people come solo because they're like, I don't have friends who are into this, but like, I love this. Right. And then they wait in line and then they make friends with people in line. And there, there is that sort of community that springs up because they're like, we both love this. Yeah. And even though they might be from opposite ends of the world, they can at least bond over this like one shared thing. And the, the, the thing we sort of realize is like, okay, for like the online virtual audience for like what we do, where during the show, we're not interacting with the audience. It is like more like traditional theater of like yeah. lights down, you sit and you watch, right. um, that we don't need to have like cameras on the audience. We don't need to see them. They don't need to, that doesn't necessarily trans like it's a direct translation of the experience of sitting in a theater. Right. But it, it doesn't evoke the same feeling mm-hmm. of that like communal response, but the chat does that people still were able to meet each other from around the world. There was an event that they were like, Oh, I'm going to show up here. I'm going to watch it. And they could like make friends in the chat beforehand during the show, swap theories, swap handles to like that's talk cool. later. Yeah. So that, that's what I mean where it's, uh, it's not like a literal translation. It's like a spiritual translation of the oh. in-person experience. I love that. I love that. And how have you now, because now that you are continuing with the Nightmare Time series, mm-hmm. I believe. Yes. Um, a, is it virtual or physical or a hybrid of both? And how do you plan to bring those spiritual learnings <laughs> into this new yeah. kind of collision of culture? It uh, It is mostly still, still virtual. Cool. There is an amount of uh, in-person for like the music videos. We have a little more flexibility with the songs and how we film those um, now that people can, can be in the same room. Exactly. <laughs> Crazy talk. Wild, <laughs> wild. Um, so where there's like some more flexibility there, but something we're sort of conscious of is that that was like the first time around, it was like, great. It was a success. It was also an experiment. So we were like, did things on the cheap and like, and so we're very aware of like, just like the, scope bloat Mm -hmm. of it of getting too too big we're oh we want to make it better we want to make it better versus like changing what it is so we want to keep it firmly planted in like this is a live this is something where they're performing live that they are not like on a a set necessarily like everyone is on like blank like black backgrounds we are not doing it through, through zoom but there's still boxes okay um part of that is like the ability to work with people who are not physically here right. like across the country um but also wanting it to look like the best zoom call ever sure sure versus an actual zoom call <laughs> or versus the worst looking movie Yes. No, this was this was my whole thing about the it, during the quarantine because the theater I want to ask you about the theater community has become very very aggressive about like what counts and what doesn't. Like mm-hmm. what is theater? Yeah. And I'm going, y'all, I don't care what your definition is. We don't want to make shitty movies. And part of that is like just uh, the expectation of the audience right. of like going in of like how you frame it. And and so that's the thing. We're like it we're we're all artists we get really excited Mm -hmm. and so we want to like make it bigger make it better and we have to constantly be like pulling it back for budgetary reasons but also for creative reasons of like paradoxically if we make 
elements of this like too good <laughs> or like make like increase the like production level of it, mm-hmm. it's gonna it like it jumps brackets. It's like this is going from like a virtual reading right to a shitty movie right like just crossing that threshold of like oh it's it's halfway it's like too far in the direction of a movie right that it's like too similar to a movie or like an actual music video or something where you go ooh, now the comparison is that as opposed to a zoom call right because the it's like about the frame of reference for the audience because we want them to compare it to a zoom call <laughs> so what is your home base on what makes live theater special and what it is you're spiritually trying to capture Mm -hmm. and replicate um, no matter what the venue or the platform is? Uh, I think it depends on the artist, but it depends on the content. Um, Because I think there is a difference between uh, something like where it's interactive with Mm -hmm. the audience versus something that is a uh, sit in the dark and like watch. So the fourth, that fourth wall. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, more or less, I think that makes a huge difference in how you translate it. Um, if there is that fourth wall and it is truly like a narrative that like you are a voyeur and like watching, you don't have any agency over. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing that we took away with what we do was that it doesn't actually have to be live. It just Mm. has to feel live. Oh, okay. That, and some of that is, what does live feel like? Uh, I don't know that that's, it's like hard to define. No, exactly. It is like, it's like pornography. You know it when you see it. Okay. Um, so I think, I think part of that is inherently, uh, imperfection. Sure. That like, and that's what I mean in terms of getting too close to it being like Mm. a movie where that like, polish feels like thoughtful post-production versus like live in the li- lightning. Yeah. And like, obviously again, we're artists. We don't want to like, you go, oh, I flub that line. I like, don't want to use that take, right. but like, uh, that is in some ways a feature of it hmm. feeling live. Um, so I think the imperfections are part of it. I do think that it, the magic, it, it's like the magic and the actors interacting with each other that like, even if it's over zoom and there's like, that delay and the you train yourself to like start speaking before the other person is done so that you you times out right in like the viewers like feed there is an intangible quality that you can feel there that you can appreciate um even even if it's not happening right now that you go there that magic was there you can see it even if it's not literally happening right Mm -hmm. now so as you're workshopping new live pieces to perform or to mm-hmm. to even film are you gaining a new appreciation in the room for those those moments of liveness that we've not we've been trying to simulate but haven't been able to actually enjoy for the last 18 months yes absolutely that okay. and that's so much of the the newer projects that i've been working on are about taking those learnings from last year and you know making lemonade out of that situation Mm -hmm. of like, okay, how can we do this moving forward now knowing that we can be in the same room and sort of capture that magic and we don't have to simulate it? How can we uh, 
be more conscious about creating the sandbox for the, like that magic to happen. Oh, very cool. So it's it's almost designing. It's it's almost like user experience design for performers to mm-hmm. have more opportunity for spontaneity and play and discovery. Exactly, and I think, and that's why it's still like important to do that. So like with the with this new season of Nightmare Time, uh, so we're we're not using Zoom. And we are, we're, it's all pre-taped. So it'll be, like, streamed out in the event, but, like, it'll be pre-taped in advance. But we're not, we're not shooting people, like, piecemeal. It, like, they're still getting on a video call at once and still performing with each other, reacting to each other. And that, like, that scene will get edited so that they're not tiny zoom boxes, right. but they can be they can big, move and big zoom boxes. Right. Like if they're only two people, they can fill the screen. Uh-huh. They, they can do all those things. Um, but it's still like, it was still a live performance. They were still interacting with each other um, in that moment. Very cool. Now with the Tin Can brothers, you all moved into a Patreon, uh, what do you call that? A membership or a group or a yeah. club or a, you know, but for a lot of people who don't know, it's it's OnlyFans without the complicated part. Yeah, um, which is funny that now it's like that because it used to be describing OnlyFans. It's like, oh, no, it's it's Patreon, but with adult content. Right. But there's a lot of people in the creator community that I'm so surprised don't know about Patreon. Yeah. I'm always fascinated. So just to set that up, it's basically you can turn anything into a membership and it often is artist. And you all with the Ten Can Brothers have made this Patreon community where people can subscribe for helping develop out long-term projects because mm-hmm. you've done remarkable stuff where you've raised a Kickstarter kind of a la carte for projects yeah. along the way rather than having a real development fund and a runway. Yeah. So this next project is going to be a, I mean, fingers crossed, all things with Delta, uh, is going to be a live musical workshop of a brand new original musical, if I'm right. Yeah. And so taking the the learnings of the last year we're like ugh, itching to get back on stage we were so with tin can last march we were in tech for a live show <laughs> we were in the theater in tech when the stay at home order oh my god like, came I through no idea yeah so we were and at that point we had already canceled the audience before any of that happened a couple weeks before we we're like uh, let's call it off don't come don't worry about it's it. It's important to cancel your audience before they cancel you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> were you just going to then just tape it? Yeah. So we're okay. like, we're just going to go in. We're just going to tech it like we would, but we're just going to film it. Gotcha. Like we were going to film it anyway, but we'll just do it without an audience. Right. Um, and we, yeah, we were literally in there when uh, we like saw the mayor being like, stay at home starting tonight. And we were wow. like, well, we have the guest coming for a put in rehearsal uh, in 20 minutes. I guess we're just going to shoot it. <laughs> So we've been itching to get back in the same room, get back on stage again. And it's been a couple of years since we've done a full musical. So we've been working on this new one. And with the state of the world, we're like, it feels irresponsible as like a small independent company to go. We're going to like commit to doing something live with an audience. Sure. I mean, this was like we were planning this back at the beginning of 2021. We're mm-hmm. like, I think we could do that in the fall, but I don't know. Right. Um, so we were like, okay, how can we d- take the best of both worlds? How can we take the first steps in developing this musical and still keep ourselves safe, but also like 
in the black. Right. Um, right. And so basically fusing the, the virtual with the in-person. So we're like, okay, we're going to do uh, a workshop version of this new musical. Instead of skipping straight to like a full production, we're going to scale it back, but we're going to focus on that in-person magic where we want to have the actors in the room playing together. We think that's very highly likely going to be possible. Mm -hmm. And that, that seems way less of a risk than trying to like have an audience in the same room. Right. So we're going to like focus on that element of the process of like, okay, the, the, the sort of magical duct tape that's sorry, that's rude. The magical gaff tape um, (laughs) that actors are when they come in and take what's written on the page and immediately identify all the weaknesses or patch it over and you go, this is a problem. And then they do their magic and they make it work and you go, that shouldn't work, but it does. Right. Um, And you just like learn so much from them getting it on its feet. They're also, you know, inherently just focusing on their, their world, their character. So they know it by the end so much better than anyone else. They're only, they're the only one focused entirely on that one person. So they can, are so helpful in fixing, developing all sorts of stuff um, in that process. So, uh, so yeah, wanting to focus on the in-person rehearsal part of the process and the development and then putting together this workshop that we're going to film and stream out as like a virtual event. Again, the, be- the best of both worlds. We're not going to like squirrel away for five years and develop this thing before mm-hmm. releasing it into the world. We're going to take people along for the journey that, that with our fans, they get a peek behind the scenes into the process. They know explicitly that like this isn't the like final like right. canon version. Right. We're like, Things might change. The songs might get added. Songs might will likely get added. Songs will likely get cut. Characters might change. We might restructure the whole thing. We don't know. And like that's the exciting part. That this doesn't have to be a secret for for five years. Now, on that same note, how much of the process? How how far are you pulling that curtain mm-hmm. back? Like when it comes to writing or developing out story points or characters, is your audience a part of that journey too? Not as much. Okay. Um, that for us, we, it's that like delicate balance of, of course, uh, being vulnerable and like open, but not too vulnerable and no, too open. I'm a perfectionist. I don't want to show anything until exactly. it's ready. And, th- and that's and it, really hard for us because yeah. we want to like hold it all like super close to the chest. Right. And so tr- trying to find that balance because, uh, yeah, you don't want like people to, to judge it mm-hmm. before it's, it's really like, ready. ready. Yeah. And then you also don't necessarily always want to ask them for feedback that you're not going to take. Sure. Because that's worse than not, uh, than asking, than not asking for feedback at right. all. And so it's that delicate balance of like, when do we want to open ourselves up to that? And I think for us that like after the show is actually going to be a more important time for hmm. us to sort of hear what worked, what didn't, the, like the spiritual analog of in previews, sitting in the house and hearing what gets a laugh. Sure. Um, we're, we're looking towards that as like, uh, in different ways to, to sort of gauge that. How are you thinking about capturing that feedback currently? Um, I think part of it is like, uh, the, the chat, like getting like Mm. gauging live reactions as it happens because again, it's not quite the same because you're typing, but like still 
if you've been on like these sort of like stream chats, they go fast. People like yeah. really stream of consciousness. They like put in what they're thinking. So I think that's part of it. Um, more formal, like follow-ups later. Um, but also what's part of what we're doing in terms of bridging that, uh, the divide between the live and the virtual is that, so we have this sort of pre-taped product that was captured live right. that everyone was in the same room. So like, it's still it's what we see from the national or what exactly. we see from, you know, any of what, what do they call them? Pro shots on yes, yes, exactly. the, the kids call them pro shots. Exactly. <laughs> um, that, so you're going to have a pro shot. We'll see it. People can chat. I, we're, we're still figuring out whether we're going to be more active in the chat because mm. we're not going to be That's cool. literally doing It's something. like having the actors that come out on stage after the show, but they're just in the audience with you watching the pro yeah. shot. The thing is, though, we're also doing... So the other thing is we're doing the, the thing afterwards of, like, the talk back. Sweet. Um, so that you get the live-captured product, like the, the show, right. that everyone can watch and you can, like, chat along with. Um, but then afterwards there's the option of attending like a talk pack, which would be live, which with whoever's available, but like definitely like us and the creative team will be there to interact explicitly with the chat and take questions. Um, and again, I think in some ways, like the better version of like the sort of post-show talk back that you get in like regional theaters right right then the barrier to entry for people to like interact is way lower right um you don't have to like stand up and hold the mic or mm -hmm. like anything so that that's sort of what we ended up develop like trying out of necessity um after our meltdown lap project last year <laughs> um that was supposed to be live but ended up not being live and sort of the the last minute like the audible yeah, so partial solution was like, okay, we're going to stream out the live captured uh, version, but then we're going to do like a live talk back Q&A afterwards and sort of, uh, again, get the feeling of both where they, they, they get the, it's a combination of like that talk back, it's a combination stage door like experience along with actually like seeing the show. In some ways you're describing that when it, that fourth wall is intact and it's a spectator experience, then it's fine to just stream it, whether it's pre-recorded or not. Mm -hmm. And then what you're inviting them is for the actual interactive mm -hmm. part, you're then taking that fourth wall away and actually letting them speak and engage yeah. with the audience or the, the performers live. Yeah. And because I think also, I, I do also think there are different kinds of audience members who may or may not want to participate in the chat Absolutely. while it's happening. Um, it, it's the equivalent of the person in the theater who wants to whisper and like comment on things mm -hmm. as it's happening versus the versus person me. who's, yeah, versus <laughs> like, no, 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 shut up. I'm watching this. What I love is in these Zoom chats, so many people, or even in YouTube streams, people are like, can everyone stop chatting? I'm just trying to watch the show. And it's like, oh no, yeah, we've no, got to figure out how to disable well, that on this lady's end. Like, I don't like, know what to do. Yeah, I was like, oh, you can turn it off. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I think that sort of captures different parts of that like in-person experience translating that there's the the community aspect like it, it breaks down what is all sort of like melded together in person mm -hmm. of like going to the theater sitting in the room like all that talking at intermission like all those sort of things um in person it's all wrapped up into one but i think in the online experience it actually gets segmented in different into different places mm. of like the 
if you do like a post show thing with like a live interaction versus like during the show if there's a chat thing or like sitting back to watch you have to like build the stage door if they're gonna line up at it yeah exactly who have you seen do it really well one of the things i saw that i really enjoyed was um inside the box or at the cabin yeah, yeah, inside yeah. the box. Yeah. Inside the box. Inside or out? Inside the box. Uh, I mean, it was inside we the box. Outside we were outside the box. No, he we were all in, in our Zim boxes. Right, right. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was created by magician crossword constructor David uh, Kwong, and it was. It wasn't necessarily a play. In some ways, it felt like being in a live game show. Yeah, there was like some storytelling elements to it, but there was all these puzzles and things that you and magic that you did at home, and that there was you were also on screen, like, in the boxes, and so there were interactive elements where it felt like, oh, you've really earned, like, this has to be, like, live like this. It has to be, I have to be on screen. He has to be live because mm-hmm. he's asking questions. He's going to, like, pull up people from all over the country and do that, like, sort of uh, game show and be like, where are you from? Uh-huh. Like, what's your name? Uh, what's the answer to the thing? And it was, like, it was so much fun because it felt like, oh, it was using the the medium like to do something that like only could be done that way if yeah. that makes sense yeah um and i thought it was yeah it was just like super fun and it, like it didn't make me feel self-conscious to be like on camera in like the zoom space room. Yeah. yeah because again there was like a reason of like oh i am at a game show i'm on a game show gotcha like it's it's analogous to immersive theater where in when it's in person where you go okay what is the role of the audience member in because there may be the narrative of the show but like really the protagonist is the audience member in an immersive theater piece so you have to cast them in the play in sleep no more they're a voyeur Mm -hmm. like that is their role that is how they can act um in the nest they are themselves basically but they are like an auction winner and they're exploring a storage unit Mm -hmm. um in this show like the audience's role is you are a game show contestant right which then you inherently as you know your role exactly you know what the rules are right you know the sort of social conventions there and it doesn't feel weird to be on camera because you go i understand this Mm -hmm. framework um and that if it's going to be if the audience is going to be on camera if it's going to be interactive you have to go okay it's user experience question of like what role do they serve in this how much agency do they have how do you communicate their role to them Mm -hmm. so that they feel uh comfortable and empowered to like thrive in that role and enjoy the show because they people need to people need to like be told how to have fun absolutely like you have to like create the boundaries for them to have fun. Even something like sleep no more, which theoretically you go, you can do whatever you want. It's a sandbox. You go in there. Not really. There are rules on how you explore that space, how you interact with the people and how they prime you to be like fortune favors the bold that like they want you to do act a certain way. And they're like, this is how you're going to have fun is if you're bold and go exploring. Right. Um, So I think it it does translate the same way from immersive theater, from like tech that it's, it's user experience. Cool. Part of why we do this podcast is to signal boost out to the community what you're working on, what you're looking for, specifically how to find anything, a resource, types of team members that you're currently actively seeking for what you're working on. Is there anything you want to ask the community for? That's a 
good question. Do you want to make? I mean, yeah, there's one thing. Yeah. Um, one, money, lots of money. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, but in terms of, uh, I mean, this is like a TBD timeline, but looking for like a a three D artist. Okay. Um, for, uh. A project. A project. A project for a scout expedition company, a future project. Cool. 3D um, to be fabricated physically or 3D to be cap- fabricated virtually? Uh, virtually. It, it's. And is it an interactive virtual object or a static virtual ob- object? Interactive. Fantastic. Do you have a preference on what software or workflow that person would then use? Uh, no. Okay. It, uh, it has to go into Unity. See, this is so helpful because there is a whole subset of our community yeah. that's going to go check, check. Okay, no, I'm a more of an Unreal person, yeah, yeah, but I've got some background. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, it would be going into Unity. Very actually. cool. Um, we'll see. Love at, it. at some point, Love maybe. It. We're and, still we're playing. We're playing. And how would someone or anyone get in touch with you? Because they're like, I'm just loving on what this guy's jamming on. Yeah. I want to support Ten Can Brothers. I want to support Star Kid. I want to support the Nest. How do they get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, I'm. Physically present, but not often mentally present on social media. Okay. Um, <laughs> at uh, Corey Lubo, just across all the things. And through that, I have links to Scout Expedition Company and The Nest, which is thenestshow.com, uh, tincambros.com for all of our stuff there, Team Star Kid for all that stuff. But I'm pretty... Corey Lubo, C O R E. Very approachable, very findable. Lubo is very findable. Awesome. Very well, Googleable. Corey, thank you for being approachable today and sitting down with me for this conversation. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much to Corey Lubowicz for the conversation. If you want to join me on the show, find me online at the handle Brendan A. Bradley or go to fifthwallforum.com to find out more. I'm Brendan Bradley wishing you a happy Friday and I'll see you next time. 